Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Busting Life Challenges with me, Diane Parker. Today, this recording is of my ebook, and if you are watching this, it's because you've been given the link to have this read to you in an audio fashion, but also, you know, see me as well. Um, if you're reading this and you've just recently had a bereavement, then my deepest, deepest condolences to you. I know such a difficult time that you will be going through right now. And is there anything I can do to help make that journey for you um, um, as supportive as I can at this time, then please do reach out. But for now, I'm just going to read the ebook to you so that you don't have the stress of trying to read it and come to terms with it yourself. So I start the book off by saying, firstly, I'm very so sorry for your loss. It's a term I never used to like, but I appreciated it when I'd lost my husband. If you're reading this book, it's because you are looking for support or a well-meaning friend or family member has felt that they want to offer you support, but don't know how to. This book has been created from my own experience, and I offer this to you with that light. We are all on a unique journey, but my hope is that you can find some support for yourself amongst the pages to help you navigate these first few days, weeks, months of your um, bereavement. I decided to create this book because I was being told Ruby could do with seeing you, but might be too soon as her husband died three days ago. Yeah, it would be. While I appreciate the thought of, yes, that just might just be too soon for me to see for a chat. However, that raised a question. How can I help you now during those first few days? I have therefore put into this book together from my own experiences, from what happened to me and what I came to learn later that, I, that could have really helped me with things I had to deal with and um, could have been handled so much better. Grief is an emotion that is rarely spoken about. I'm on a mission to get people to talk openly about grief grieving and to understand how trying to push this emotion down inside will do more harm. My intention here is to give you information to help you where you are right now. Above all, please be kind to yourself. Please take this from, from this what you need. And if you feel like a conversation after then, please do get in touch. If you would prefer to listen to this book, um, I, as I say, I am making this um, on YouTube, but I'm also doing it on a podcast. I am sending you much love and a consoling hug. My story is that in July 2016, I became a widow. I was married for 31 years and now he's gone. I took gratitude that I'd had my life with him for an extra 20 years since his illness was diagnosed. I took comfort from that. This was a difficult time for me and my family. I have been one of those be strong for my family throughout this journey. And the best thing that ever happened to me at this time was a nurse called Jane. She reached out to me and said, Diane, you do not have to be strong now. Let someone else take care of you. The relief I felt in that moment as she spoke 
was amazing. I allowed family in and when they asked what did I want, I was able to let go and tell them. There's a lot of sorting out to do when, you when we lose someone we love. People will appear and my advice is those you trust who offer their help to support you, allow them to. They care enough for you to reach out and you in return will be helping them in their grieving, excuse me, by allowing them to help. There is every chance that you would have been handed a booklet by the NHS or similar body, which guides you about many things as to how to select your undertaker, deal with banks, insurance companies, with death certificates. There was nothing there that I was handed to help me understand what I was going through. I hope you find some comfort and guidance in this book. Remember, when you're going through this book, that grief is an emotion. And how much we grieve will depend on how attached you are to the loss, be that a death, divorce, relationship, health, finances, or pets, to name a few. Remember that you are unique, and so is your experience of grief. If I was speaking to another widow, I would empathise, but I would not know how she feels, and she would not know how I feel. You are unique, your feelings are unique, you are unique. Do not compare your grief to anyone else. You are unique. Chapter one, what you need to know right now, what is happening to your body and why? There was a few things that I asked myself at the time and one of them was why does my head feel so spongy and I keep forgetting the simplest of things? This is the most common question I get asked of me too with the clients that I deal with in the first weeks of their grieving. There is nothing wrong with you. You have an amazing body which is currently taking care of you and below is a simple explanation. What happens to you physically? When we receive a shock, even if the death is expected, it could still be a shock. The body reacts immediately. The reality of that person having died can take quite a while to sink in. Or it can appear that way to others. And this is the reason. This is how amazing your body likes to take care of you. It is said that when we, when we receive a shock, the current that travels through our bodies is enough to, and I quote, blow our brains out, no joke. The body, being clever, produces a hormone called dopamine, which floods the brain to protect it. When that is dropped down onto the brain, you can experience a woozy feeling, almost like anyone is in another space and time to you. This is normal. There is also another element to this. Your brain has synapses in which information travels around to the different areas of the body. Simply put, 
You see a dog and the signal is received. The information travels to your memories of the dog and perhaps your own. The connection is made. Scientists used to believe that these were hardwired, but now they know that they can change with a thought change through neuroplasticity. For example, if you traveled a distance of 14 miles to work, and I suggested that if you turned right at a certain point, you could get there in 10, 10 miles. How long would it take for you to make that change? You'd make it straight away, right? So I won't go into too much of that now, but you can imagine your head as a computer with all the wires coming out the back. When you receive this type of news, shock or trauma, it can feel like someone has gone around the back of your head and pulled all the wires out. Only reconnecting the ones to turn the computer on, but all the data has changed. When Andrew died, this is how I felt. I knew I'd been married for him to him for 31 years. We had two children, but the rest of what I knew felt disconnected. Someone had pulled out my wires at that time and I did not know where or how to plug them back in. This is because your neural pathways have received new messages and something like that. I only felt settled when I completed the grief recovery method training. And I will share more on that later. I came to learn that it was my hopes, dreams and expectations of my future with him that had to be healed. The main takeaway for you here is that what you're feeling inside is perfectly normal and you will experience moments of clarity, moments where you can't remember what's being said and need power naps. Take them, they help a lot. You will have many questions asked of you and from places that you would not have expected. You will be asked to deal with things that you may never have thought you would need to have those conversations so soon after your loss. My advice would be to select a friend or family member that you know you can ask to deal with some of these things and know that they will help you by doing just what you ask of them rather than take over. There may be things that only you can answer, but with this middleman in place, you can deal with those issues at your own pace. For a while, you will feel like you're on another time and space to everyone else and the, and the reason why I have shared above. Having key people in place to help you navigate some of these challenges was indeed a, the best thing I did. Eating. As I've mentioned above, because of the chemicals being released, you may not feel like eating. I know that I did not, and this is unusual for me. However, I do know enough to know that I had to eat, and so I chose to eat little and often. It is important that you still look after yourself during this time. Drink plenty of water, tea, try not to drink alcohol or too much of it. I did. I started drinking a couple of glasses of wine each night. I know that I was trying to comfort myself. It was called a stirb in the grief recovery, short-term energy relieving behaviors. The trouble with alcohol is that it can potentially become more, a more serious problem. Apart from the obvious alcohol issues, it can also keep you feeling depressed. 
which is when it can trigger anxiety. There are a few other disturbs over existing, sorry, over exercising, getting lost in fiction and fantasies and partying and perhaps um, too much sex or, or shopping, um, showing anger, finding yourself that you want to be isolating yourself from everybody else, or the opposite and throwing yourself into work. These are all red flags and they should really be looked at. There will be reasons why you're trying to look for this type of comfort. When I take people through the grief program, these come to light. For now, just notice if there is excessiveness happening and take steps to make changes if you're concerned. This type of thing that we do is to relieve our pain. It will not. It might shift your focus for a while, but not the pain. And in the book, I have a tip box selection for you to help you to make sure that you eat your three meals a day, because it can be that bad sometimes that you forget if you've eaten or not. Chapter two, the things that people say. This can be one of the most comforting parts of your journey or one of the most upsetting. You might take what somebody has said to heart and be upset with that, with what is said. People naturally want to comfort you. They will say things to you based on their own experiences, based on what they were taught on how to grieve, etc. They are showing you what they do when they experience a loss. Take a breath and remember that they are trying to comfort you the best way that they can. Here are a few phrases for you to consider and then perhaps play a game with yourself to see if you notice what they have indeed been taught to do when it comes to grief. The things they, people say explained. Don't feel sad. I mean, really, what else are you supposed to feel after losing a loved one? This one always amused me. You must have lost someone or a pet and been asked not to feel sad. What else are you going to feel? This is what they are trying to say. I am sorry. I do not know how to comfort you right now. And I feel bad about that. I am not very good at coping with seeing you this way. I love you and I don't like seeing you crying. This is then quite often led to replacing a loss. Don't worry, you're young enough to marry again. Yes, that was said to me just three weeks after losing my husband. They didn't like to see me in pain or the fact that I was relatively young and had a life ahead of me. They didn't want me on my own. They didn't want to think of me on my own. What they have been taught to do is replace a loss. Perhaps as a child, they lost a pet, perhaps a hamster. They got extremely upset and a well-meaning parent ran out and replaced their pet. Therefore, instead of dealing with the pain of loss, they replaced it. When you feel that you must go away from people to cry, you are most likely been taught to grieve alone. This can arrive from once again looking at parents and what they did when they lost someone. 
did they cry in front of you or did, did you hear them crying behind closed doors? Did they tell you to stop crying, it's only a hamster, or did they show you emotion? In this book, in the book, sorry, The Grief Recovery Method, there is a story told of how a young boy was at school and was told about the death of his grand, granddad. His classmates surrounded him to show him support. A teacher removed him from the class to sit on his own until someone called to collect him. Upon returning home, he ran to give his mother a hug and was diverted to his bedroom. Leave your mother now and go and play in your room. This taught him to grieve alone and did not show him how to comfort someone in loss. He was also not taught how to express his own feelings or process in his early moments of grief. You do what feels right for you. I cried openly when it arrived. That response some struggled with, who had been um, taught the above. But that's okay. This is about you and your journey. If you do feel the need to be on your own, please do not stay there in too long. This can spiral, spiral into depression from sadness. You can even announce, if you wish, I'm going to have a cry for a few minutes so others can respect your, your space and know that somewhere, someone is there when you are finished. This can come in waves. You can go through a day and not cry and then perhaps a day of constant crying. This is all perfectly natural. As the dopamine wears off, this can be weeks after the event. Crying allows the stress to leave the body, so it is good to cry. Be mindful just how long you, you stay on your own if you decide to do on isolated. Time is a healer. Nope, it's not. I am sure that you've heard this one and it's quite a common phrase. However, the impact of this can have a de devastating effect on people. If this was indeed true, then why do I see people in society some 20 years plus who are still deep in their loss? We are all, it, it also puts pressure on people to believe that there's something wrong with them because they have not gone over, sorry, got over the death of the person that they love. Um, and they're not going to. It's grieving. They are grieving. They have not been shown how to heal the pain of their loss and they're stuck in their grief. If you are recently bereft, then please do be kind to yourself. Do not concern yourself right now with this myth, but be mindful of it. And of those who tell you that time is a healer, again, that's only what they have been taught or perhaps feel happened for them. This will come down to the relationship that you have with the person who has passed. If they were perhaps an elderly grandparent with ailments, there might be an expectation that they would die in the coming years. While sad, there's some acceptance of that period of life. Therefore, the element of time being a healer might feel true. 
However, if that person was young, or your husband, then that would possibly not sit well with you. It certainly did not with me. And that leads me on to moving on. Give it time, you'll move on. I absolutely hate that phrase. Along with time as a healer implies that after a period of time, you should be in a different place. You may even berate yourself for not getting over your loss, especially as time, weeks, months and years pass. Again, please be kind to yourself. Do be kind to yourself. You do not move on from someone you have loved so much, but you will find a way of finding a future without that, that person physically here with you. If you find yourself some months down the line asking yourself, why have I not moved on from this loss? I hope you can now catch yourself and remember to be kind to yourself. Healing your heart from the pain of your loss does not remove the person. Instead, it opens you up to embracing them and happy times, shared memories of them, not pushing them, the pain you're carrying further down, thinking I should, be, should not be feeling this way now. Be strong. You do not have to be strong for others or yourself. You do not need to put a, a brave face on called Academy Award Recovery. It is okay for you to ask those around you to support you. And if they cannot find a professional person to support you, be that a coach like myself or a healthcare practitioner. I can remember Jane saying this to me before we entered intensive care. I replied, but it's my job because I felt that being strong was my job in the family. It was my role. She gently re replied, but now it's their turn to look after you. I did feel tremendous relief as I allowed her words to sink in. And she was right. But that moment in time, I did. And people do want to help. The classic keeping busy. This, of course, is someone who will do anything and everything rather than sit and connect with their grief. The art of distraction. No matter how busy you make yourself at the end of each day, there is still a hole in your heart. You may recognize yourself in this or notice members of your family running around trying to make themselves useful in any way, perhaps or even avoid having conversations. In these early days, please do not concern yourself with this myth. More be aware of it in, of it in you and in your close family members. In the days that follow, after all the arrangements have been made and the funeral services behind you, you may find people start drifting away from you. They will all go back to their lives and their routines. This can be a very hard time having had the support that you felt like you had now being left. Of course, in reality, this may not be true for you and close friends and immediate family will still be in close contact with you. But for the main part, you might find yourself alone, especially if widowed. Sleep might be an issue for you. Insomnia was an issue of mine. I would perhaps go to sleep okay, but only for a couple of hours. 
And then I would wake up and the floodgates would open with pure raw emotion. Lack of sleep is not good for any of us. We need to reach a level called REM sleep, rapid eye movement. This is um, when our computers download all the things that we do no longer need to keep. We delete them. Between the hours of two and four, this process usually happens. This is why when, we, when this sleep is distributed, disturbed this is why when the sleep is disturbed you will wake feeling exhausted during grieving this can feel quite intense try these few suggestions before heading to the doctors there is every good chance he or she will ask and you can at least share what you have tried Use essential oils, for example, doTERRA do an oil called Serenity, which is great for when I cannot sleep at night. And indeed, their oil console can also help you with the grieving. Simply put some drops on, of oil on, into a diffuser and allow the magic to happen. We have already addressed eating, but do be mindful and excessive drinking that you do might do. This will also stop you from sleeping. What you are trying to do here is something to make you feel good. Drinking from that point of view could have a bigger issue down the road. So please be mindful and notice if you have increased your alcohol intake. Try herbal teas rather than caffeinated drinks before bed. Place relaxing music, then perhaps, or perhaps on the TV. Um, sorry. Place relaxing music rather than perhaps putting on the TV. Place relaxing music rather than perhaps watching the TV or even worse, the news. Make sure you, if nothing else, you are warm and relaxed as best you can. Have a bath as hot as you like with a mug full of Epsom salts in and soak for 20 minutes. I usually put something in. Some, sorry, I usually put something on I find funny to help lift my mood, and I do this at least three times a week. Magnesium in the salts will help the body cope with the stress, relaxes the muscles, and importantly, the magnesium helps the body absorb vitamins D and calcium. Speak to someone. Find a grief coach like myself or a healthcare practitioner should this go on for a period of time. Chapter three is for those people around you who are trying to support you at this time. In that chapter, I have put a whole pile of um, conversations that they can start for you and know how to talk to you a little bit better um, or start the conversations off without the, the, the um, oh my goodness, what am I supposed to stay, say to them now um, and what never to say to that person. So what I'll do now is I'll just run through the, um, the titles and briefly talk about it as it's not relevant to a person that is actually grieving um, to, to, to warrant this. It's for the person that is trying to support you in the best way that they can. They, to, the best way for them to open a conversation with you. So if they say any of this, you can know that they have read the book. Um, what happened to you? 
can you tell me a little bit about it? I can't imagine how painful, devastating or heartbreaking this is for you um, or has been for you. Once the conversation has been started, I've asked them to just listen. That was the most fantastic gift for me was when somebody actually wanted to know what, um, how I was feeling, but didn't know enough to not say anything. And as soon as I started sharing, they interrupted the conversation and then they led it to something else. So it's important for the person that's listening to you that, you know, and it's okay for you to say to them, can you just listen to me? Because you're not broken, you're grieving. Okay, you do not need fixing, you need to be heard. The things that we've asked them not to say, I know how you feel. No, I've already explained that. We're all unique and how we internalize these things is, is unique to each and every one of us. So where, where another widow I might have an empathy for, I do not know how she feels and she does not know how I feel. Everything will be okay. Uh, how and is that really helpful at that time to be told by somebody that everything is going to be okay it's not we all know given time in 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 the fact that you know the months and years go on and you do the work on yourself that things will be different but and and there will be the sun will come up tomorrow and set again tomorrow we know this but at that immediate time it's not helpful for somebody to say that to you. Um, and it might just even make you, you know, feel angry that they've said it. And then um, anything that reinforces the myths. Um, and comparing about grieving, I've spoken about that. So let's go on to chapter four here for the months that follow. When the, when the time is right, the teacher will arrive. I was looking for some support about five weeks after my husband died. I did not like the way I was feeling. All my previous coaching tools were not shifting the stuck energy I was living in. I knew that I did not want to feel this way any longer. The pain I was in felt physical, a physical pain in my heart. I also felt disconnected to my husband. We had known each other for 35 years and knew each other well. That was the part I was struggling with. I later come to learn that it was my hopes, dreams and expectations of our future together that I also had to grieve. I went looking for help and through a friend, I found further training to help others as I now do in grief coaching. Why is this important? Unresolved grief can lead to depression, anxiety, stress, and have an adverse effect on your overall well-being. The doctor may offer tablets to help you, and they might for a while, but the grief remains. Friends and family can move away from you because they just don't know how to help you heal, and this can appear that they are fed up or avoiding you. They are in pain because they see you suffering in your pain, and they just don't know how to reach you. In trying, there may be arguments. Acknowledging what you have now read in this book, I hope that you all navigate the sad time in your life as easily as possible. For now, I am sending you a big consoling hug. 
I'm so very sorry for your loss. If you would like to listen to more information on, on this, I have a YouTube channel called Busting Life Challenges with Di Parker and also a podcast. And any questions that you might have, then please do reach out. You can email me at diane at lifeafterlossiom.com or you can telephone me on 07624 472140 and obviously put a plus 44 if you're phoning from um, further afield. I'd like to acknowledge my appreciation of Natasha Brown for her support in editing this book. And I would like to thank you for listening. And if there is anything you've, you've got questions about or would like to know more about them, please, please do reach out. But for now, goodbye.